We have now arrived at the final chapter, the last chapter of Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. And uh, in the original manuscripts of the Gospel, this story of Jesus' resurrection, chapter 16, verses 1 to 8, was the final narrative. And verse 8 was the last verse of the Gospel. After the Shabbat, uh, the two Marys and Salome, who were there at the, looking from afar at the death of Jesus, they purchased spices in order to um, anoint Jesus, anoint the body. The listener already knows from the very beginning of the Passion story that Jesus' body has been anointed by that unnamed woman. In verse 2, very early on the first day of the week, they went to the tomb when the sun had arisen. Even the cosmic meteorological imagery signifies that this is a new moment, a new, very special moment of enlightenment. So they're saying to one another in verse 3, Who will roll away the stone for us from the door of the tomb? And when they look, look again, they see that the stone has been rolled back. And Mark notes it was very large. So the human impossibility of actually rolling back the stone is noted. And the passive voice, uh, the stone was rolled back or had been rolled back, indicates by the passive voice that somebody has done this. And that's an indicator that God is already part of this scene. God has already entered into this scene that has moved back the stone to allow them to have access, to allow the women to have access to it. In verse 5, they enter the tomb and they see a young man seated on the right side, dressed in a white robe. Now, first of all, we've already seen one young man in Gethsemane who runs away naked. Now we see another young man, uh, now dressed in a white robe. All these are, are reminders of scenes of Jesus, particularly the transfiguration scene where Jesus is, is uh, clothed with a dazzling white garment. Is this figure of the young man an image of Jesus? Certainly some of the earliest pieces of... Um, tomb graphics shows a young man, Jesus as a young man. There's a particular one in the Vatican Museum. And the other factor is this character, this young man sits on the right side. Listeners to the gospel would know that the one who sits on the right side of God is Jesus. So maybe all this is behind this young man sitting on the right side dressed in a white robe. What Whatever the identity of this young man, the women are amazed. They come to this deep sense of religious awe of about what in this encounter with this young man, who then tells them, don't be amazed. You seek Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. 
So the young man tells them what they're after. They're seeking Jesus of Nazareth, the historical Jesus, who was crucified. And then comes the note of the Easter message. He has been raised. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Or behold, Edo, contemplate, look at the place where they laid him. He has been raised, again, a verb connected to the passive rather than the active. It's not he is risen, he has been raised. It means that this is God's act. This is God's act to the faithful Jesus who had been crying, Eloi, Eloi. He has been raised. Then the next two little details are connected to the meaning of the resurrection. He has been raised. He is not here, behold thy place where they laid him. They're told now to contemplate the place of absence. Somehow, what Mark is saying, somehow the experience of absence, or even of divine absence, is connected to the experience of resurrection. Because when one, when one contemplates what is absent, there is no way of putting meaning onto that. And it opens up a space within the the contemplative one for another possibility. So resurrection, Easter faith, from the Markan audience that knows what absence is like, what tragedy is like, what the experience of, of absence and uh, the lack of uh, joy is, for Mark's audience, somehow this is going to be connected to the experience of resurrection because in those experiences of absence of divine absence of tragedy of failure the only response is an openness to the action of god hence mark has he has been raised he is not here see the place where they laid him and then they're, they're, they're given a mission go tell his disciples and peter He's going before you to Galilee. You will remember way back in the earlier part of the Passion narrative, in, at the scene of the, the, the meal, Jesus reminded them that the, uh, he would go before them to Galilee. Well, that promise is now being fulfilled in the words now spoken by this young man. So go tell his disciples and Peter, he's going to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. And then comes the final verse of the gospel, the original final verse. And the women went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had come upon them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The question is, is this the ending? Well, as I mentioned way back when we first began our study of Mark, Mark Mark's gospel is a beginning beginning of the good news of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, in verse 1, chapter 1. Here, in chapter 16, verse 8, this is not an ending, it's a beginning. And the women don't speak, not because, um, not because they're told um, that they're going against what they're instructed to do, they don't speak because the encounter with the risen Jesus has to be an openness in one's own experience rather than being told what to experience or how to encounter Jesus. So they flee with trembling and uh, astonishment. 
the Greek word for astonishment that's translated here in astonishment is ecstasis. They're in ecstasy. They have really encountered the meaning of the resurrection and they are speechless. And it's for that reason they can't speak about it to anyone. And the, uh, and the final word, uh, the final part of this sentence is they, they are afraid. This is not uh, the fear of being hurt. This is the fear of being in the sense of being overwhelmed by uh, the awe, the religious moment of this encounter with the sacred one in an experience of the resurrection in a place of emptiness, of desert, of solitude. That's what overwhelms them. Somehow the real experience of Mark's audience enables them to know what the resurrection is about. It's a very powerful gospel and these two scenes, the death scene and the resurrection story in Mark, speak to each other. Jesus dies misunderstood. Uh, and how could he be the son of God? And he dies and yet the moment of resurrection is an encounter with the place of absence and this young man. And just a final few words about the concluding, the, the shorter ending of Mark and the longer ending of Mark that have been added after the original Gospel of Mark was completed, perhaps some two or three generations are later, when the other Gospels had already been read. Uh, by, by the time Mark 6, verse 6 of, uh, uh, verse 8 of chapter 16 is written, the other Gospels do not exist, but then they come later. They change the ending of Mark, uh, they change the resurrection narrative, particularly Luke changes it to one of joy. Uh, and so uh, some from the Markan household later, a generation or two later, having read these Gospels, wanted to add other endings um, uh, to Mark's Gospel. And finally, it ends with a commissioning of the disciples to go out to all creation and um, preach the gospel and let those who are who believe and are baptized there they will be saved but those who do not believe will be condemned and then they're told what signs will accompany them as they do this and finally uh, the the final conclusion of mark the later conclusion ends with the ascension scene, Jesus actually ascending to God and sitting down at the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by the signs that attended it. And then one manuscript has completes, completes this with the word Amen. So the, the later, the shorter and the longer endings end in a note of perhaps of joy and of triumph but the original ending of uh, 16 verse 8 is quite enigmatic and yet I believe appropriate for Mark's gospel. <laughs>